0: I pray that the words you hear will not be persuasive words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith will not be in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Please welcome Bro Kenny.
1: The title of this message today, I titled it, This One Thing I Do. This one thing I do. The theme is taken from the book of Philippians chapter 3. It starts from verse 10. It says, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being made confirmable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I have already attained, either were I already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Verse 13, this is it. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting the things which were behind and reaching forth unto the things which are before. 14, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to read verse 13 in the Amplified Version. He says this, I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it my own, not yet. But one thing I do, it is my one aspiration. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. This is my one aspiration, Paul said. Forgetting what lies behind, I strain forward, I press forward to what is ahead. The book of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Simply says, Wherefore, seeing we are all encompassed about, with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which doth so easily beset us, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, Endure the cross, despising the shame, is set down at the right hand of a throne of God. So, there's one thing I do. You know, the amazing thing about our journey in the Christian faith is seen as a race. If you read through scriptures, there's also another account in the first book of Corinthians chapter 9, but it speaks of training like an athlete training like a runner that's what our journey of faith is about the typology is that of a race is that of a heavenly race that we run in this dispensation on earth and on this cosmos we are running a race now if you know that your journey is like a race you prepare for the race Maybe you're some kind of physical athlete or the other. You know that you have to take time to get ready for your race. The Olympians that we celebrate, they train, they prepare, they work hard just for a time every four years that they can exhibit and show their talent. Now, look at what the Bible says in the first book of Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27. It says this, And every man that striveth for mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we incorruptible. I therefore so run, not uncertainly, So fight I, not as one that beateth the air. I want to read it in the Amplified because I think it brings us a lot of things. Verse 24. Do you not know that that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run your race that you may lay hold of the prize and make it yours. Now, every athlete who goes into training conducts himself temperately and restricts himself in all things. They do it to win a wreath that will soon wither, but we do it to receive a crown of eternal blessedness that cannot wither. Therefore, I do not run uncertainly without definite aim. I do not box like one that is beating the air or striking without an adversary. Verse 27, but like a boxer, I buffet my body. I handle it roughly. I discipline my body by hardships subdue, and I subdue it for fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel and the things pertaining to it, I myself may be considered to be unfit not stand the test, be unapproved and rejected as a counterfeit. This is a scary part of scripture. I grew up um, in a home where my dad loved boxing. So this was one of the favorite things I did with my dad growing up is that he would every Sunday evening, he would put on a boxing fight. And him and I will sit and watch all 12 rounds. And one of the things I noticed is that as I grew older, I started watching some of their weighing-in ceremonies. Then I I came to understand that sometimes before they go into their boxing bout the next day, they have to weigh in the day before. And I've seen over the years some boxers that were disqualified because they did not make weight. As you are training, you have to make sure you make weight. And the Bible, the word of God that we read in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 talks about throwing off every weight. You see, if you're going to run a race, you don't need burdens on you. You need to run free. You need to run clean. You need to run without burdens and encumbrances. Now, what are we referring to? The Bible talks about in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9 that we just read that there's a way to train. There's a way to prepare. Number one, it said you have to conduct yourself in a temperate way. It simply means you have to be balanced. If you're training for this journey, if you're training in faith, you have to be balanced. You have to make sure the doctrine of God that you're studying, the doctrine of the word is that which is balanced. You don't feast only on the doctrine of prosperity and live the doctrine of healing. You don't feast only on the doctrine of provision and ignore the other aspects of the, of the faith. You have to be on a balanced diet. Now, the second thing is also you have to be strategic. What does it say in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 9, verse 26? It says, Therefore, I do not run uncertainly without a definite aim. I don't box like one that is beating the air. That means I have to be strategic in my approach, in my growth as a Christian, in my growth in the body of Christ. I have to be strategic. I have to make sure I'm focusing on some of the areas where I need to fine tune the giftings of God in my life. So you need to be strategic. What's the next one? This is really important. He said you have to discipline your body. In fact, the description Paul gave in this epistle to the Corinthians is actually one that beats his body, that brings his body under subjection. He said, I discipline my body. I beat my body. I bring it through hardships. He used the word, I subdue my body. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you go and beat your body, please. That's not what we're referring to here. But I'll tell you a story. I watched a boxer that was trained for his boxing bout, he stood in front of the ring while he was having his practice session and he encouraged some of his trainers to punch him in the tummy. Actually, it was part of his training regimen. When they explained in that documentary was that he was disciplining his abdominal muscles so that they could take a punch when he got into the real fight. So when Paul talks about like a boxer, I buffet my body, that's what he's referring to. I discipline my body. I bring it as a subject. how can we place our body under hardships? Hardship doesn't mean that you torture your body. That's not what I'm referring to. And that's not what the scripture is referring to. The scripture is talking about denying yourself of certain pleasures. The quickest example I can give us is fasting. In the area of fasting, fasting from food, fasting from social media, fasting from things, denying yourself of some of the things that you enjoy for the purpose of pursuing Him. You are also setting aside time to be with God so you spend time with Him. So that's one of the examples of hardships that Paul was referring to in that epistle. There's a spiritual gift that is way greater, way weightier than these physical things. Because remember, This is one thing I do. Now, there's one thing I heard recently that I think is very important. Paul said, one thing I do, I let go of the things of the past and I strain ahead to what lies before me. One thing I do is that I forget what lies behind and I strain forward to what lies ahead. And in the book of Hebrews that we just read, it talks about that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Let us trip off and throw aside every encumbrance which so easily and deftly clings on us and let us disentangle ourselves and run with patient endurance. It says throw aside every weight. You know, I used to think that that weight that we're talking about only meant things that were negative. As I studied the scriptures, I discovered that that weight does not only mean negative things. It could also mean things that we think are positive in this realm. Let me give you an example. In the book of Philippians chapter 3 verse 7, the Amplified said, Paul was writing, he said, these things I once regarded as advancements in merit, I have come to consider as loss for the excellency of knowing him. What were the things that Paul was talking about? Paul was talking about that he was born, he was circumcised on the eighth day, he was a Jew of Jews, a Hebrew of Hebrews, he was a Pharisee trained by Gamaliel as touching the law, blameless. That was what he was referring to. So in our dispensation, it could actually mean degrees, university degrees, accomplishments. There's nothing wrong in those accomplishments. But Paul is saying that these are weights that could lay us and stop us from running the race. So the weight is only not only a negative thing, it could also be accomplishments. So we put them aside for the excellency of what is ahead of us. Now, the next thing we're supposed to throw off is the sin that so easily besets us. The Bible describes it as something that entangles us easily. It could be an addiction. It could be something we're vulnerable to. The Bible says, disentangle yourself from these things. It takes discipline. It takes discipline in your body. Oh, yes, it takes hardships to let go of some of these sins, to throw them off, so that we can run with patient endurance this journey that is ahead of us. Now, and I end with this. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 1, it talks about a great cloud of witnesses that we are surrounded by. I went to Sunday school in my younger years, and most of the teachers in Sunday school that taught us about a cloud of witnesses, they painted a picture about a cloud of witnesses that were watching us, you know, disciplining us a cloud of witnesses that were criticizing us. But think with me, if you will, about our journey in the faith being a race. Think of being in a stadium with a crowd of spectators all around us. They are cheering us on. That's what the cloud of witnesses are. Child of God, there's so many people in the cloud of witnesses cheering you on. The book of Hebrews chapter 11, that wonderful chapter on faith, talks about the heroes of faith. In this dispensation, we'll call them the hall of famers, the hall of fame of faith. There are people that are in the cloud of witnesses that belong to the hall of fame of faith, that are cheering you and I on. There are people that represent every distinction, everything you may have been through, every mistake you think you might have made. They are represented in the cloud of witnesses. And they are telling you now, child of God, they're telling you now, friend, I, I made a mistake, but yet I made it to the cloud of witnesses. I raise you a few names. I raise you a lady like Rahab. Rahab, the Bible called her a prostitute. The Bible called her a harlot. But yet she made the cloud of witnesses. She made the chapter of faith. She made the hall of fame. So maybe you're listening to us today. And maybe you've had a colorful past. Maybe you've made some mistakes. Rahab is in the cloud of witnesses telling you, I made it. You can make it too. I raise you another name, Samson. That man that was mighty in power. That the spirit of might will come upon. He had a problem with lust. He had a problem with promiscuity. But yet he made the hall of fame of faith. Maybe you're listening to us today and you're struggling with the spirit of lust. Let me encourage you with the words of Samson. He made it in the hall of fame of faith. You too can make it. I raise you another name, David. David was known as a murderer. He killed Uriah. Slept with Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. He did things that were almost unforgivable, but yet he made the hall of fame of faith. David is in the spectator stand. He's in the congregation. He's in the crowd. The spectator's cheering you on, telling you, you too can make it. I give you one more name, Joseph. Joseph was denied by his brethren, denied by his brothers. The same people that shared the room with him denied him, but he too made it to the end. Be encouraged, saints. One thing you do, forget what was behind. Press forward. There's a cloud of witnesses cheering you on. God bless you.
0: You've been listening to a message from Spread the Word Global Ministries, Red dear? If you'd like more information, you can contact us at info at or info at now. .org or through our website at www.spreadthewordglobalministries.org. Our phone number is 587-377-7745. Thank you. Bye for now.